want to welcome you. Thanks for spending some time together today, whether you are uh, seated in one of our campuses or whether you're joining us online. Um, we really do look forward to this time together. I want to go ahead and say happy Thanksgiving. All right, let's go ahead and get this week going. Um, I, I hope that you have a great week. I'm obviously encouraging you to be safe, but hoping you're getting to spend that with, with your family. Here's what I want to encourage. I want to encourage just all of Heart of Life. This week, think about checking on some people who maybe this year can't be with their family like they normally can be. You know what I'm saying? There are people that maybe for one reason or another, a sickness issue, whatever, there are some folks who just can't be where they normally would be. And I want to encourage you, yeah, I know you can text, I know you're capable of such, but I want to encourage you to actually pick up a phone and let them hear your voice. Just check on them. Wish them a happy Thanksgiving, and it just reminds us all that we're not alone. It was the Chicago Fire of 1871 that the American businessman by the name of Horatio Spafford watched his entire business, his entire office, every document literally went up in flames. It was not then even two years later that his wife, Anna, and their four daughters boarded a ship for England when they collided with another ship in the middle of the Atlantic. And all four of Spafford's daughters drowned. Anna was found unconscious, but somehow alive, floating off the coast of England. And when she came to, she wired a telegram to her husband that had nothing but these two words, saved alone. Horatio was devastated, as you might imagine. He found the first ship that he could to try to get to his grieving wife. And while making that journey, supposedly as he passed the very place where his daughters had died, Spafford penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Yeah, we just sang those words a few minutes ago. But, but if you, if you, have never heard the story, once you find out the story, isn't it true that all of a sudden these words seem much more stunning? I mean, we're willing to say it's a good song. For some of us, it's a song maybe that we heard when we were a kid in church. And I mean, but when you hear the story, it leaves you somewhat stunned. How in the midst of such a storm could he find such peace? 
I want to challenge those of you who are Jesus followers today. Do you realize that in the current storm, we'll call it, do you realize that in the current chaos, we will call it, the current mistrust, the current uncertainty, the current sickness among us, do you realize that you have an opportunity to live in such a way that your life sings a song of peace that should leave the world stunned and make the world ask, How? How can you go through such storms? How can you go through such uncertainty? How can you go through such sickness with such peace? How? That's what I want to share with you today. Philippians chapter 4 is the section of Scripture that I want us to look at. I'm going to pick it up with verse 4, and we're going to read a a little section here. Philippians chapter 4, it reads this way, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, we'll come back to that word, be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be Everybody say anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. That passage lists a number of positive qualities and actions. I mean, we've got a person who can rejoice, rejoicing always. That's literally the language. We've got someone who, who is, the word in, in the translation I read was gentle. It, it is a word that means reasonable. It is a word that means patient. It is a word that means calm. <laughs> there is something weird There is something supernatural about someone who is calm in the midst of storm. It's not enough to just make decisions and certain actions, but the way you carry yourself in those storms. He he, he says there's a person who rejoices and a person who's calm and a person who is thankful, a a person who, who chooses to spend time thinking about that which is true and noble and right and lovely. But sandwiched in between all that is the only negative in the passage. This is the negative in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious 
means literally to be in pieces. It means to have a mind that is fractured in pieces. It's divided. Now, if you were with us about a month or so ago, may have been a little, a few weeks longer than that, we looked at a story from Luke's gospel about a couple of sisters named Mary and Martha. And I'm sure you remember when we looked at the story, right? We, we got Jesus who's over for dinner and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's doing what? She's running all over the place, right? And she's trying to get dinner ready and she's trying to make sure that the house is right. And what we were told in that story is that Mark, Mark, she was anxious. That's what we were told. It's the exact same word. Martha was anxious, and, and it's this picture. She was divided. There were so many things on her mind. And Jesus literally calls her on it, and he's like, Martha, you, your mind is so divided over many things, but Mary has found the one thing that matters. Here's what I'm telling you. Anxiety divides it divides your mind. It divides your heart. Why does Paul connect it to this passage? Because it will rob you of joy. It will make you not calm. It will make you irrational. It will make you unreasonable. It will sap you of a gratefulness where you, you, you just, there's no, nothing about, right, uh, thankfulness. It, it, it can make you into a bitter person who only thinks the worst. And above all else, what anxiety keeps us from is peace. Peace. Look at verse 7. Again, here's what Paul wants to make sure that we understand and the peace of God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this is, this is a peace of God. This is, this is something that goes beyond an understanding. This is supposed to be something so weird, which means so supernatural, that when people see it, it makes them go, what is that? How is that possible? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I look at the circumstances and I see your life. It's beyond our understanding. But what it leads to is a joy and a calmness and a gratitude and a positivity. Look at it, look at it one more time. The peace of God which transcends all our understanding. Check out this word, will guard it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard, it, it means to garrison. It means to protect with a military guard. That's the word. It's to prevent any form of hostile invasion. Here's what I want us to understand. The peace of man must be guarded. It is the peace of God that guards us. That's what he says. The peace of man must be guarded. It is the peace of God that guards us. That's the only way you can explain a man on a ship who writes, it is well with my soul. It's not because he can guard the peace in his soul. It's because the peace of God guards him. That's real peace. 
It doesn't need to be guarded. It guards you. Which I think should lead us to ask the question, like, do we actually have real peace in our life? Or or is this something that, that we've just settled for a fake? There's two options, Paul says. Either you receive God's peace or you are left desperately trying to find your own as we anxiously attempt to manage the stress in our life. If you choose the second, which is to handle it on your own, Proverbs gives us some advice here. The book of Proverbs tells us anxiety weighs down the heart. Isn't that just a simple description of what we all know? Man, when, when we feel that, right? When we feel that, there's no joy. It weighs our heart down. We feel the load of the anxiety in our life. I have been um, a Mac guy for many, many years now. But I will admit that there was a time in my life where a PC was a part of, of, of my journey, all right? And if you have ever had a PC as a part of your journey, you at some point or another became accustomed to hitting three keys in succession on a regular basis. Three keys that would turn things around. Anybody wanna guess what they are? Control, alt, delete. Remember that? Remember that? Let me give you the visual in case you can't see it. Boom, 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 right? Control, alt, delete, right? And then you pray, right? It's when too much is running, right, and, and, and you, you, your, your computer is sort of forced to halt, and you, you hit those keys hoping to change the direction of what's happening. Look, I'm convinced that sometimes we treat our lives like PCs when it comes to what we want in peace. Control, alt, delete. I'm telling you, they don't actually work. They are a counterfeit for peace. Let me show you what I mean. Let's talk about control. Let's talk about control. You, you, ever, you ever have trouble sleeping at night because your mind's always racing? You, you develop high blood pressure as a result of trying to maintain the high level of stress that you have to deal with on a daily basis? It's likely There's some aspect within that you are trying to control things as a means to overcome the anxiety that you feel. I'm promising you, anxiety can drive you to get a lot of things done. It can. Anxiety can drive you to get a lot of things done. But here's the problem. It'll never give you peace, which is what you're after. Anxiety stems from a heart that tries to control everything. And when you try to control everything, your mind is suddenly divided. It's in pieces. And soon your life becomes more reactive than it is proactive. You just move from thing to thing. Anybody ever been to maybe a ball game or uh, you ever been to the ball game where the halftime entertainment is the dude who can spin like 
two dozen plates on, on you, you know what I'm talking, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that? And he can spin the plates and they got little sticks and, and, and he's got these things that he holds and he's, he's spinning this plate and he's spinning this plate. There's just literally dozens of plates that are, that are spinning, right? And, and we're, he's, he's got to keep them all spinning. He, he's got to constantly go back and, and touch the plates and uh, you got to get homework done, and, uh, you, but you got you to get housework done. And, and then there's the, your marriage that you, you definitely don't want to let that fall. And, and then there's your relationship with Jesus, got to hit that one every once in a while. There, there's friendships that are important. There's this project that I got a deadline. It's got to be done. And you're just, until eventually, you're exhausted and you collapse. And for some people, before they do so, and they begin to realize that they got, they're trying to spin too many plates, they're, they're trying to control too many things, they can't. You know what you do? Then you try to control others to help get it done. That's what Martha did. That's what Martha did. Can you tell Mary to help me spin this plate? Some of us try to find peace by attempting to control the chaos around us because we feel out of control about the chaos inside of us. Or how about alt? When I use the word alt, I'm just saying that sometimes some of us try to find peace by distracting ourselves from what we need to do by alternating it, if you will, with what we want to do instead I just mean we've all at some time or another, we, we want to lighten our heart because we can feel the weight of the, the real issue that's in front of us. There's real stress in front of us. But we want to distract ourselves from the heaviness. We want to avoid that which is painful. We want to avoid the, the intense work that this is going to require. But I'm telling you, you won't find peace that way either. Denying the presence of anxiety doesn't actually deal with anxiety. Anxiety will catch up to you. It knows when it's being fooled. At least when you try to control anxiety, it drives you to get things done. But the alt just distracts you from what you actually need to do I would describe it this way, control tries to fix the universe. <laughs> the alt just takes you to an alternative universe. So whether it's video games or Netflix or your hobby or the lake or an addiction or whatever it is, none of it really helps you find peace. There's one more on the board. It's the delete. Um, sometimes I, I watch people use the delete button when it, when it comes to maybe desires or wishes that they have, or maybe it's actually pain. But in order to maintain a facade in a relationship, they will, they will just delete as though it's not happening. In other words, 
you're treating me this way, but I'm going to just delete and act like you're not treating me this way so that peace can be maintained. Or sometimes the delete button is just about ignoring something that's stressful. This is what I'm watching a good number of people do with COVID. This is what I'm watching. Now listen to what I'm saying. Please listen to what I'm saying. I am not saying that COVID has not been used as a political pawn because I think at times it has. And I am not saying that at times numbers haven't been manipulated for people to accomplish what they want. I, I think at times it has. But hear me, today, today, there are people that I very much care about who are sick right now. Me acting like it doesn't exist does not glorify God. Me acting like it doesn't exist doesn't make anybody go, Wow, how do you have that? No, the way it works is when I face the reality, this is real. And yet, in this storm, you know what? There is a peace of God that continues to allow me to make wise decisions. And I can make those wise decisions with a calmness there is a there's a calmness a peace I can still get up every day with joy I I can continue to love other people in the middle of it when all of that begins to come together a joy a calmness, a a peace, a love, a a, a thinking that is positive and and thankful, that's when somebody goes, oh, how do you do that? Because this is driving me crazy. How do you do this? Because this is terrifying me. How how do you do that? Because, Because there's so much uncertainty. Deleting it doesn't bring glory to God. Facing it with the peace of God that goes beyond understanding, that's what brings glory to God. Sometimes we just continue with control, alt, delete, and it doesn't bring us peace. Thomas Merton, Thomas Merton said something very powerful one time. He said, we're not at peace with others because we're not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. And he's right. And maybe it's possible that the lack of peace that you find with other people in your life sometimes, and I'm I'm not blanketing every scenario, sometimes is connected that you're not at peace with yourself. And the reason may be that you've been hitting control, alt, delete, control, alt, delete, control, alt, delete for so long that it's crashing your life. The question is, is it possible to obtain this kind of peace that Philippians chapter 4 talks about, a peace that is beyond comprehension, 
A peace that doesn't need to be guarded, but a peace that actually guards me. Is that possible? Yes, yeah, possible. Look, go back to verse 6 and, and check this out. Verse 6 reads this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, check them out, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I want to hang on those three words for a few minutes. He's like, you don't have to be anxious. Instead, there can be peace. And if you want to know how to get there, check this out. Start with prayer. Start with prayer. You want to defeat the anxiety, start talking to God. And don't tell me that you don't know how to talk. Because you know how to talk. You talk to people all day. Some of you talk to all, people all day about your struggles. You talk to your girlfriend, and you talk to your mama, and you talk to your coworkers. And every time you're with them, you talk about the storm. You talk about the chaos. You talk about the uncertainty. I'm saying you already know how to talk about it. The point here is start talking about it to God, who is the only one who can actually do something about the stress. Paul says, pray. I know it seems simple, but how about we talk to the one who can do something about this? Then he says, thanksgiving, because you're going to quickly find, man, you start to meditate on the, on the beauty of a sunrise, right, or the miracle of a birth, right? Depending on the time of year, it could be the, the smell of the, of the flowers that are blooming, or it could just be, man, the leaves that are changing colors and the gold and the red, Maybe it's new friendships that, are, that bring value to you. What you will soon find is that all of a sudden you are thanking God for a job that pays you, that you can actually take care of the bills and the needs that you have rather than spending all of your conversation complaining about the aspects of your job that you don't like. That will wear you out. But when you start thanking him for what he's given you that provides for what you need, when you practice praise, thanksgiving, focused on positive things, when storms aren't in your life, then you will learn to spot the good things in the middle of the trouble as well. And then he says request. This is not boycotting God to get stuff. This is, God, I'm asking you to supply because I trust you. God, I'm asking because I know that you love me. And God, I love you and I want to hear your voice. So here's what happens. When you trust God through prayer, let's go back. Let's go back if we can. When you trust God through prayer, that he's in control, guess what you can let go of? Control. And when you start to thank God for what he brings in your life, even in the midst of struggle, 
And oh my goodness, in all of this crazy year, can I thank God that in the struggle, it has made me lean into him more than anything? When I, when I begin to do that, I don't need to press the alt button. I don't have to check out on this thing. When I begin to bring those requests to him, knowing he loves me, knowing I can trust him, knowing whatever he brings, it is absolutely the best for me. I don't have to delete anymore. So here's the sequence that, that for me, when I read this passage in Philippians, it's kind of simple, but that you know that's me. When I'm feeling anxiety, when I'm trying to control, I got to stop thinking that way. When I recognize that I'm, I'm, I have this tendency to see everything that's wrong, I have this tendency to see everything that's negative, I have to decide, I, I truly desire to stop thinking this way. My next step is to start talking then. But what we've learned in this passage is we start talking to who? To God. We start talking to God. We've been talking to people, but we want to talk to God about he's the one who can actually change this in me. And when I start talking to him, I start thanking him. I start praising him. I start, I start looking for blessings that still exist even in the midst of the storm. And then I'm ready to start thinking again. I'm thinking about that which is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Now I'm ready to think right. It's just being intentional. God, I want my life to look different, and I want there to be a song of peace that people see right now. So help me to stop thinking like I have been. Help me to start talking to you. Help me to start thanking you for all that you have blessed me with, and now help me to start thinking right. There's one more thing that I want to show you. But I'm going to do this a little different. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand with me, if you would, as I walk you through this. Right now, right now you have the opportunity for your life to look so weird. (laughs) And I like that word. I like when the world looks at Jesus followers and goes, man, that's weird because it's supernatural. I just want you to know, I want you to believe the song of your life can be so powerful right now because the evidence of the peace of God is there just like it was for Horatio Spafford a long time ago when he lost his four daughters. How could he say, it is well with my soul? Well, there's one more thing that I think is so crucial to this text, but most of the time we miss it. Because before Paul in verse 6 gives the antidote to anxiety, there is one little phrase at the end of verse 5 that goes like this The Lord is near. That's simple. Now, what I want you to know is that when he gives us this phrase, it is not only referring to the fact that Jesus is with us, like now. Now, that's true. 
right? His promise is to never leave us. It's to never forsake us. He is with us now. But that little phrase is actually a phrase that is connected to Jesus' return. The Lord is near is another way in Scripture that that it will refer to the blessed hope. The blessed hope is that one day Jesus is coming back. The blessed hope is that he has gone to prepare a place for us and one day he is going to come back to bring us home with him. Listen to me. The truth of eternity has always been a part of battling anxiety here and now. I'm going to say that again. The truth about eternity has always been a part scripturally of battling anxiety here and now. This is temporary. This is not my home. And so the anxiety that I feel when it comes to school, I am reminded in scripture it is a vapor. He uses that word, it's a vapor. In other words, it's here and it's gone. I know right now it feels like it won't end. Right now it feels like it's forever. But he says it's a vapor in light of eternity. The anxiety that I sometimes feel with my work, it's temporary. It's like a vapor. It's real, but it's not going to be forever. Right? The, 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 the tension, the anxiety that you feel about a home that you, you need some repairs done and you, don't, you just don't have what, it, what, what you got to be able to do it right and you're worried about where that's going to go and, 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 a, and a car that's, that's just not running like it needs to and what's going to happen in the winter. And I mean, we just surround ourselves with so many things. He says it's temporary. Yes, the vapor matters, but it only matters in its connection to eternity. So here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine Horatio Stafford who is is standing at the rail of a ship. And he's staring into the dark waters that have claimed all four of his daughters. But as he sails over that spot, supposedly the very spot that his daughters lost their lives, his eyes lift to the eastern horizon where the sun begins to pierce the darkness. And something happens in a man's heart. Not because he guarded it, but because God guarded it. And all of a sudden, a dad remembers, this is not the end. And all of a sudden, a dad remembers, this is temporary. I'm not ignoring the pain. I'm not acting like the storm didn't happen. It's real. But this is not forever. And one day, I will see my daughters again. He picks up something with which to write. And he scribbles one 
more verse to the song. And right now, I want you to sing it with all your heart.